0: Biz Women Rock, episode 205. What's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos. This podcast was created so that you would have direct access to the true stories of what it's like being a businesswoman, the real true journey of very savvy, very smart businesswomen. If you love these stories, then make sure you go to bizwomenrock.com and opt in so that you can get updated on all the latest podcast interviews, as well as how you can become a more active part of the whole Biz Women Rock community. Which kind of rocks? So go to bizwomenrock.com. Diane Helbig is my guest today today. She created a company called Seize This Day. She is a coach, she's a consultant, she's a writer, she is a speaker, she's a trainer. Uh, She's somebody who I would consider has like all of the necessary elements of what you need to have a successful coaching business. And in this interview, she is super open about all of the different elements of her business, why she created programs, uh, the impact that writing her book has had on her business, um her personal views about productivity and what happens when you're not nearly as productive as you wanted to be or your productivity kind of rules don't work for you, which I thought was really interesting. And probably one of the cool little takeaways from this is at the very end about a really awesome call to action that she does, very simple but very powerful call to action that she does anytime she speaks. So whether you're a coach, a trainer, a consultant, a speaker or aspiring to be any of these things, maybe aspiring to um, create a program for your service-based business, aspiring to write a book to give you legitimacy, Um, any of those vantage points, you're really going to get a lot out of this interview. So let's get moving with Diane. Diane, thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this.
0: I'm really looking forward to it, too. I was mentioning beforehand that I really uh, it's a, it's like an extra special treat anytime I have either a fellow podcaster or a radio show host on the show because there's a whole different you, ca- you have the experience that I've had so you kind of come to the table uh, with a whole different vantage point than, um, than those who have not kind of had that experience so I'm really happy. And you usually have like a super cool voice, too, so that's nice.
1: <laughs> oh, cool.
0: Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so so, as part of this whole podcast platform, one of the things that I really always love starting out with is how you got, how you kind of fell upon your entrepreneurial journey in the first place. So, um, were you always an entrepreneur, or how did you stumble onto this thing called, you know, owning your own company?
1: So, I think I always had an entrepreneurial bug uh, from from the time I was little. And, and as I was growing up, starting different sorts of little kid businesses kinds of things, um, babysitting business and lemonade stand and, and that kind of thing. Um, and, but then when I grew up, I actually went to work for other people and tried to start a couple of things. But in late 2005, I had that seizure that, that people have where I just said, that's it. I'm done. I got to do my own thing. I want to be the victim of my own decisions. Um <laughs> I never off. heard that turn. <laughs> <No. laughs> it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not mine, but I like it,
0: so um, I use it. So you just you were like, okay, I just I gotta do my own thing. Was it scary for you to have that thought? Because like um, you know, having that thought while you're in the safety net of corporate is a very different than actually taking the steps to live that out. So were you scared by it or were did did you have no fear and you're like, I'm just doing it?
1: So it was a really weird time for me. My father had passed away really suddenly, and I think I was in this really strange place. So when I made the decision, it was so clear to me that this is what I should be doing that I really wasn't scared, and, and it could be that I just wasn't thinking about it, and, and my husband was scared. Right. In all honesty, he, he he was a little nervous about it. I think I really knew it was the right thing for me to be doing I that was that aha moment and I just this was it and I knew I should be doing it and I set a plan I didn't just jump off a cliff I set a plan and and a path and so no not not so scared
0: very cool now you have a pretty unique way that you ended up kind of easing into the entrepreneurial space can you talk a little bit about kind of the the job that you had at the time and how you made the transition out
1: sure, I I would love to because you're right. I do think it's somewhat unique. So at the time I was in sales and I was selling um, toner cartridges for laser printers and, and equipment as well, but it was a residual sort of sale. So once I got a client, every month I got a commission if they purchased. So I decided that I wanted to become an independent contractor for that company where they wouldn't be paying me a salary anymore, but I could still be earning that commission and still dealing with those clients while I was building my coaching practice because I, I really couldn't go from, you know, a hard stop. I, I couldn't really do it. So I developed a whole plan and a contract, and I, there were also things going on in the company that I didn't really think were serving me well. So that also helped me make all of my decisions. So I went to my boss, who was the owner of the company, and said, I'd like to change our relationship. This is what I'd like to do. And we negotiated over a couple of days wow. on that. Yeah. And and when he said, this isn't going to work for me, I said, okay, then I'm giving you my two-week notice.
0: Wow. So you had to be prepared to walk away.
1: <laughs> I was totally detached and totally prepared to walk away. <laughs> and he said, okay, wait a second. Let's talk about this. And so it worked. But I think that's part of it, that you have to be able to say, I am in any decision you make, right? You have to be able to say, "I'm okay if we're not going to do this," because it gives you that leverage. It gives you that power.
0: Right. No, I agree with you. So, how how long did you have that independent contracting job with them?
1: I had it for about a year and a half, and and what happened was I gradually let go of clients and got myself to a point where I, I wasn't serving those clients for that company because I was doing my own thing. And so I went to him and I said, you know what? You need to get someone to take care of these clients because it's Mm. not happening here. And they did.
0: So let's talk about – you said, okay, I wanted to build my coaching practice. I have a foundational question that um, there are a lot of – consultants and or coaches that I've spoken to. And um, those two terms seem to blend very easily for me. And um, I have a hard time distinguishing them. So you consider I, I have seen in sort of some of your stuff that you have coach and you have consultant. you use all that yeah. stuff. How over these years of, you know, your knowledge of being in the space, what do you see as a difference between a coach and a consultant?
1: Boy, that's a really good question. For me, the difference is a coach Pulls a client toward where they need to be, and a consultant goes in and says, this is why these things aren't working. So the client always knows things aren't where they, they should be. And, but a consultant goes in and looks at everything and says, okay, this is what I see. This, this is what isn't working, and this is what I think you need to do to overcome that. So, so the difference is on the one hand, you're, you're, you still know what it is, but you're guiding, sort of pulling the client, asking a whole lot of questions, so they come to that place of, oh, I see what isn't working, why it's not working. And with consulting, it's more, you cut to the chase, you say, this is, this is where you
0: are. Got it. Well, and it sounds like as a coach, you're, um, you know, clients might be a lot more, uh, you get you give give a lot more handholding, like you're kind of giving them more structure to pull them along is what you sound like versus like a consultant that just says, here's, here's the gaps, go.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. And I don't really, so I like consulting with the problem solving attached to it, I don't like yeah. just leaving somebody with the solution and saying, "Okay, do whatever you're going to do with it right most people won't do it because right. they, they don't really know how if they knew how they would have done it already
0: so how when you were first beginning um with zero experience in this like what what were you doing to go and attract clients how are you how are you actually you know going and making sure that you were starting to build your pipeline of potential customers?
1: So I did a couple of things, um, and, and that is a great question, because I think this is one of the things people struggle with a lot, and I think having a sales background was helpful for me. Um, I had taken a coach training class where they described the different ways that you could market, and I picked a couple that made sense to me, and one of them was networking, because I was in, I was networking anyway. So I made sure that all the people who already knew me knew what I was doing now, and it made sense to them because they, they already knew me. They already knew how I thought and, and how my brain worked, and I explained why I was doing it. And so they were able to bridge that gap right. or make that transition with me. And the other thing I did was I picked a couple of topics that I had expertise in, and I created speeches and workshops around them. And I just made sure everybody knew I was doing these presentations and I was looking for places to do them, and then I, I had these workshops I could do because the more people you can get in front of, the more they learn who you are and, and whether you're someone they want to be engaging with.
0: That's really smart actually because I think um, I there've been so many coaches that I've spoken to on here who immediately went into speaking, that's how they get their message out there, but that mid step of hey, I created this type of talk that I could give so that I so people knew when to call upon me or they could have something very like practical to say yeah. hey we need somebody to talk about x oh hey Diane talks about that you should bring her in so be, being able to create that is a really powerful thing it it's something tangible that people can really grasp onto
1: exactly and i and i like tangible if it's too fuzzy if you know if, if i was too fuzzy about it and wanted to do everything for everybody. No one ever would have landed. Right. On, on who I was now.
0: So how did you find kind of what your specialty was? Um, especially in the very beginning. I definitely want to, you know, go into the evolution of what's happened since. But especially in the very beginning, how did you end up maneuvering your way into this is sort of my niche. This is exactly who I can serve the best. This is exactly kind of the, you know, uh, the vantage point I'm always taking. How did you come upon that?
1: Um. Actually, it wasn't my, my best friend who actually told me about coaching and was how I found it and originally said to me, no, no, you have to be a life coach because you like to tell people what to do. Okay, <laughs> you know, like, okay, like you know me well, right? And I said to her, okay, but I can't be a life coach because I don't have the patience to be a life coach. It's really, you have to know yourself well, right? Yeah. But I knew I knew small business. I'd, already wor- I'd always worked in small business. I had been in management of small business and I had been in sales in small business and I... I think I'm sort of a a student of people. And so I watch people and the decisions they make. And I watched a lot of companies struggle because of the decisions that they made. And I thought, you know, this is where I can really affect change. This is where I really can see what can be done. So I I think I, I took all of my business experience and all of my not necessarily life experience, but the different companies that I had either worked in or been associated with and thought, if I could help even one small business make different decisions, this is what I'm going to do. And one of those areas was sales, because you, know, you watch so many people start businesses and don't know anything about sales yeah. and totally struggle. And it, it frustrated me watching them. So, well, I, and I knew sales. So, and and that not? even
0: spawned like a really cool book that you that you had written. Talk oh, about that book. I, I love the title of this book. Go ahead.
1: Thanks. Yeah, so I wrote Lemonade Stand Selling, and you're right. It absolutely spawned it. I thought, okay, I can only reach so many people, you know, one-on-one or speaking. i got to share this information because it really does frustrate me that small businesses struggle with sales because they don't need to, and I believe it's because they have this preconceived idea of what sales is all about. So... Um, I was doing a lot of writing anyway, a lot of articles and putting them out online, and I thought, I, just, I have to put it all in one place, right. and if I can explain it and they can see it, they'll get it, and then they'll try it. And so I, I was fortunate to get a publisher and wrote Lemonade Stand Selling and uh, published it in 2009.
0: That's awesome. Now you've written a couple of books. So what, um, what, what has the books actually done for your business? Like, has it, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, it's just giving me legitimacy. A lot of people are like, no, I sell that book and I sell it into corporations. And some people say, no, it actually is is a great lead generator for me. So where does it stand for you?
1: For me, it really it it stands in the legitimacy space completely. Um, It's interesting because once you, I was an expert before. But I wasn't considered an expert until I wrote the book, mm. and it gives you that. Well, she's an author; she's put it in in print, and and there it is. Um, and it's also given me a lot of opportunities to speak, which is a, one of my best marketing tools.
0: How uh, how is as, as far as like divvying up your time? How much time do you spend, you know, going around and speaking versus actually doing your your coaching?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I probably spend probably anywhere from an hour to three hours a week speaking. Okay. And uh, probably about an hour a week writing. And then the bulk of my time is spent on client work.
0: Gotcha. How do you... um how do you organize yourself? Like what what, what kind of strategies do you have, if any, um, to keep yourself like, you know, all the priorities are kind of getting done. You're staying, uh, you know, really productive. How do you structure your day, your week, your month, all
1: that? So that's such a great question. And I think everybody struggles with this thing. So what I realized <laughs> was that I had to calendarize everything and I had to be really specific about what was on the calendar. Right. So instead of saying, blocking out a half an hour and saying social media posting, I had to say really what I was going to do. If I was going to write a blog post or I was going to post on LinkedIn or whatever it was, I have to actually put it there as what it is. Mm -hmm. So I don't have to think a lot about it when I open it up and, you know, I say, oh, this is what I'm doing now. So... um, the first thing that I do is I, I put down on my calendar like, all of my obligations, the things that are already set, the speaking engagements. I run a couple networking groups. So those are there. They're constant. These are, those fill up certain spaces. And then I just look for holes. And where the holes are, I plug in half-hour slots hmm. for doing different things.
0: So what, ha- what happens if you have a day that you don't stick to that?
1: Well, that's a great question. I do not believe in beating myself up about that or giving up on that. So what I do is I move it. I say, okay, this didn't happen. I try and figure out why it didn't happen and then I plot those activities on another day. So I don't lose them. I still have to do them. Right. But I I you know, part of it is trying to figure out what got in the way of that cuz sometimes it's really great stuff. Like there was a day when I really didn't get to the stuff I wanted to do, but when I looked at it I had had a couple of clients email me and say, can we talk today? Right. And I wasn't planning on talking to them, but I had to. So it was okay.
0: I really love your vantage point on that and I think it's really powerful just to hear that because because I asked this because it's such a common challenge with a lot yeah. of business owners, which is okay i I have to remain productive I need to you know do the things that matter the most first um, but there are days that just blow up and and right. you know like making sure that you don't totally kick yourself in the butt because of them. or totally forget about what it was and blow it off, you know, is really important. So it sounds like you live somewhere in the middle, which is like, okay, yes, I know that they're important. Let me move them. Let me make sure I'm actually moving them to a time when I know that I'll be productive doing them.
1: Exactly. And I think we have to cut ourselves some slack because if we are too hard on ourselves, then we end up not doing any of the things. We won't schedule it because we're afraid we won't do it.
0: Right. Right? We we
1: just sort of set up this whole weird system that is – Sabotage—it's it, so counterproductive, and I'd rather the stuff gets done. It, it's but but there's life, right? I mean, I have teenagers; stuff's going to happen.
0: Yeah, yep. Now, Diane, one of the things that I find so fascinating about your business model—and this is a very common challenge that a lot of um, service-based businesses have—which is your time equals kind of the service that you're giving. And so, one of the biggest things that that so many service-based businesses are trying to do is create something that doesn't require their time, right? Or does it or is right. able to sort of automate it a little bit better. So one of the things that you've done is that you've created a couple programs that um, in my mind, my language on it would be that you've productized your knowledge, and you've sort of put this beautiful little bow around it, given it, you know, like trademarked it, it it's a it's very specific thing that people can now participate in. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to create those and kind of the process that you went through in order to to make those what they are.
1: Oh, sure. Thanks for for the opportunity to do that. So I know, as you said, that my time is is what I'm um, getting paid for, and there's only so much of it. So I know that I can't reach as many people as I want to reach. I I feel sort of like as an evangelist for small business. There's so many things I want them to know. And I can't, there's only so many hours in a day that I can get that done. So I thought it it was twofold. One, I want to be able to share that information with as many people. And two, people acquire information in different ways. So some people can't afford me, but I still want them to be able to have some of the information. So if I can create a product that's at a lower price point, they're going to have to work it themselves. A lot of people do self-study. A lot of people are do-it-yourselfers, and they're perfectly fine with that. So if I create these products and make them available to people, then they get to decide, do I want to do live? Do I want to just, you know, download this product or, or buy this product? So I think I realized it when I realized there were certain things that I was doing repeatedly and I had a real system down for it. So like the road mapping for business success, every December I was doing that either on my radio show or in person with a group of people. And I thought, So this is a system that I know people are using that they're getting great results with. So, and I have it written down because that's how I make sure I go through all the steps. Mm -hmm. I should put this into something that other people can access. Mm. So created a product, put it on my website, you know, market it. And the sales training program really came out of the book. So I have this book, you know, on and on. And I'm, teaching people how to sell and I thought I got to create a program so that program actually started out as a live program bring me in or, or come to me workbook we'll sit down we'll go through all this and then I realized there's people who can't afford that right who still need it so if I created in a digital download and it's at a lower price point they're going to have to walk themselves through it but they can because it's it's pretty You know, my my programs are very tangible. They're very action oriented. Right. So, right, if you follow the steps, you create your own plan. You're going to leave that process with a plan that you can implement.
0: How um, How much time did you actually spend in creating either one of these programs? And I ask because. Uh, saying that one statement, oh, yeah, so I created these programs, is very different than somebody <laughs> who is on the prior, like the, you know, I have not yet created a program, and that seems like a huge mountain to climb. So can you kind of demystify what that all entailed?
1: Sure, sure. Um, anything you're going to do is going to feel big when you look at it. And uh, so as far as total time, you know, it was probably, uh, if I did it in hours, each of those pro- programs probably took me a good 40 hours each to actually create, and not all in one sitting. Right. The thing I think I would share with people is you've already got most of it. If you're if you're working with clients or you're doing stuff, you already have it. It's committing it to paper and to a structure and to something that is visually appealing or has a flow to it that, that people are going to be able to follow. And so for me, it was fine-tuning that going through it I'm in the process of creating another one actually right now and I just gave it to one of my clients and said would you go through this and tell me what works and what doesn't
0: oh that's a great idea
1: yeah and so she, she did she sat down and she went okay I would do this I would do that and, she, and I got it exactly what she was saying and I'm going to show it to somebody else and see what their input is so um, the formatting probably takes the longest time for me actually right. putting it all together in something that for me looks good and flows
0: um, once you have all of these products out, what has been kind of your process thus far on marketing it and, you know, kind of making sure it's available and making sure that people know that it's there and bringing more traffic to it. I mean, do you spend a lot of time doing that or do you, are they sort of housed as like kind of a secondary option if somebody can't work with you directly?
1: Yeah, I think they're housed as a secondary option. I do use social media marketing a lot and I just Purchased lead pages.
0: Oh, I love that program,
1: <laughs> don't you? Yes, because <laughs> it, it's so plug and play. Yeah. I, I mean, what a great so. And as a matter of fact, the landing page for my new book is actually my first one, my first lead page. Nice, way to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna do the other ones. I think I'm gonna take the other ones and turn them into lead pages. Um, so, so we'll see how that goes. So, I would highly recommend that to people. Um, but so I use social media. Uh, as a draw, you know, tweeting and posting things on Facebook and doing sort of a drip method kind of thing. But for the most part, it's uh, really driving people to the website so they go travel around and look and see what's there.
0: Got it. Now, one of the things that fascinates me about you in particular, and this is true of a lot of coaches, I think, is that you're out there meeting people a lot, so you're out networking. You run your own, you know, you you run your own group. You're out there speaking. You're you have a radio show, so you do a really good job of getting you making sure you have exposure. But the main question is for me is how are you capturing that exposure? Like, do you what system do you have to make sure you're keeping in touch with everyone that you meet? What kind of like. Um, I, I hate calling it a funnel, but like that's sort of what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, how are you funneling people into kind of your uh, your list or your community of people who are part, who are sort of now yeah. part of knowing who you are?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I use uh, an e newsletter. I you know I use Constant Contact because mm-hmm. I can do events there, and I can do an e newsletter. And every time I speak, I put down at every seat a, a form that I created. That offers people the opportunity to sign up for my newsletter, to get a complimentary 30-minute phone consultation, or to have me speak at another organization that they're involved with.
0: I like that. Great so call to action.
1: It's great. And, and so you only get the people who are interested, which is great. You, they check off the things that they're interested in. They put their name, their email address, and their phone. And then it's up to me to follow up with them. So I add them to the newsletter list. And then I have, I use VCTA to schedule those thirty-minute phone consultations,
0: what so is it? What is, it, is the name
1: of it again? E-Sita, it's V C I T A. Oh, it's a great program.
0: Nice. I'll put. The, I'll make sure to put that link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, that's great because. Um, so what I do is I just send people. I email them the link. I say, you know, thanks for attending. You expressed an interest. Please go to this link and schedule. And so I blocked out time on my calendar that mm-hmm. people can schedule those times.
0: So I know they're always
1: there. And the cool thing is if people don't schedule, then I know I've got time to work on stuff. So people schedule those 30-minute phone consultations. So so that's one of the ways. And then with my newsletter, I do a regular write an article, put it out in a newsletter. But I also send a notification the morning of the radio show, reminding people of the show. And then at the end of the month, I send an email out called Where's Diane that lists all of the – Activities that I'm going to be participating in the following month
0: Great idea. So if people yeah. want to come and check you out and come see you, they can.
1: Exactly, because people would say to me, "So, where are you going to be speaking next?" I'm like, "I have no idea." You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like here today. That. I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow. So I <laughs> created that, and it's great because it's got links, and people can register for stuff, and they can see where I am. And it also shows people that I'm out and I'm doing stuff. Right. You know, it has such a. It's got a lot of benefit to it.
0: Right. <clears throat> Diane, what? Um, after all of these years, what what has been like a one of the toughest moments that you've had in this evolution?
1: Wow. I, um. So a couple of years ago, I partnered with someone on a project on a business project that I didn't take the time to really build a relationship with him and really know who he was before I did it, and it didn't work. Um, And it didn't work badly uh, for a lot of reasons. One, because the whole uh, venture didn't work, but another reason was because it took me so away from my regular business Mm. that I really had to totally regroup. It was making me really... Like, I had to sit down with my husband and say, I think I need to leave that relationship. And the minute I did... Things exploded for me. (laughs) You know, it was so the wrong relationship for me to be in that when I got out of it, the world opened up.
0: Yeah, wow. So it was
1: tough. It was it was a bad. It was a couple of years, and it was a bad couple of years.
0: Wow. Yeah, and that's really tough to get over. But being able to sort of stay true to okay, this just doesn't feel good. I know I need to kind of walk away from it. Is a really courageous move to be able to make.
1: Yeah, and and it, and it took me longer than it should have. I'm, in all honesty, I knew I should have done it well before that. But we were out in the community. This is one of these things about being out in the community. I had my name on it. I had my face on it. People were relying on it, and it just was wrong. Yeah. So I had to one day just stand up and say, "I, I got to end this."
0: Mm. So. D- Diane, what do you see as your big vision of like where you're going? Um, you know, you've been in business since 2006. You've definitely had many sort of metamorphoses of how your business is going, what's important to you, what specific, you know, areas of interest you're really focusing on. What's, what's ahead for you and what's the big vision?
1: I am so glad you asked me that question. I, <laughs> I really, I really am. I so appreciate it because I did, next year is my 10th year. And so I decided that I am at a place where I'm going to create a membership site that is um, going to be called the Small Business Growth Squad, Love it. where clarity and reality meet aspiration. Hmm. Because I have decided that I am in a place where uh, there, I know I'm a real pragmatist. So I'm, so I'm a dreamer, I'm a visionary, and then I'm a real pragmatist when it comes to business. And I know there are things we just plain have to do. And there are reasons that we have to do them and the results are phenomenal when you actually do them. Right. And I am on a mission to get that out to really if I could get out to every small business owner, I would do it. And I want them to join this squad where when you come in, you know we're just gonna talk about these are the things we have to do and we're gonna beat it up and we're gonna challenge each other and ask the tough questions if we need to, and really talk honestly about this is what's going on in my business and what can I do about it and get each other's input on it and work really together to grow all of these businesses.
0: Mm. Love that. Really, really right. love that. And you're just a little passionate about it, just a little. I can hear <laughs> just a little.
1: <laughs> so last night I was at a book, my book signing and my sister's book signing. We were doing it together and we were talking about this and someone said, you know next the world I'm thinking (laughs) darn right (laughs) you know what I
0: love about this show is that every single woman I talk to has exactly that just in their own specific niche or their own specific you know unique little kind of piece of the world uh, of the business world that they're really approaching so I love that I think that that's a commonality of the most savvy and, and smartest and, uh, and most impactful business women is you're like, I'm taking on the world. I could do this. (laughs) Well, I think that is a fabulous idea. And I am sure with your touch, it's going to be super successful. So uh, Diane, I just really want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your journey, all the little tidbits about, you know, what makes your business work and, uh, and everything in between. Thank you.
1: Oh, thank you. I have so enjoyed this. This is really, really fun, and and you're great. You're a great <laughs> interviewer. It's wonderful.
0: Hiswomenrock.com forward slash 205 is where you're going to find the show notes for today. And there you're going to get all the links that go directly to Diane's sites, as well as uh, viewing some of her books. And uh, there'll be links to a couple of the resources we talked about today, like lead pages, as well as V Sita the most interesting little takeaway was a very simple one but a very powerful one for her and that was every time she goes around and talks to have a piece of paper that's on everyone's chairs that gives them the opportunity to opt into your uh, list uh, refer you work with you directly and she gave away a free 30 minute session which I thought was really interesting so and then she they they're kind of opting in so she's not chasing anyone down they're saying yes I'm interested I just it's so simple and it's like this duh of course but um you know I I love that and it's very effective for her so hope you got something great out of this and I can't wait to see you on the next show